to, to, to give to you. And, you know, when you, we've been talking on Sundays about what you look to becomes the lens you look through. And I'm seeing this more and more and more uh, in, in practical application in my life. And, and so notice now, when you start looking to fellowship and you start looking to the Lord for an understanding on fellowship, you begin to see fellowship uh, in places in the Bible that you didn't know <laughs> were, were necessarily talking about fellowship. Um, we, we could spend two months just on John chapter 17. Um, there's just so much in those verses uh, about this subject of, of fellowship. And so um, I, I've got a lot of thoughts, and I'm, I'm, I've asked the Lord to help me you know, kind of stay in, in one lane tonight and, uh, and present this in, a, in an effective way. But uh, my heart's full, praise God. So um, let's jump in here, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. This is our cornerstone verse for uh, this entire study. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I think it's interesting that this verse begins with God is faithful. And, 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 and obviously we know that God is faithful, but you almost think, okay, God is faithful, and we've been called in the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. But when we start about, about God being faithful, think of it also in terms of His consistency. When we say God is faithful... You know, before God ever breathed oxygen and life and Himself into into the nostrils of Adam, uh, He had a plan uh, and and a desire that He wanted to see fulfilled in all of us, and He has been true to that. He He has, uh, you know, what do we say? Stayed the course. Um, we see there were times where He, uh, you know about washed his hands of the whole project uh, in the days of Noah, uh, repented that he had even created this in the first place. But, but again, we see that concept of a remnant and, and you know, God desiring a nation of priests. And he worked all those years to bring the nation of Israel to that place. And they said no. And, uh, but now he has his nation of priests. Amen. The born again uh, body of Christ in the earth. And so when, when it says God is faithful, there's so many different ways that we can understand that because he, he's faithful in all those different ways. But, but as it relates specifically to this verse, the desire that he has to have both positional and functional oneness with you is a desire that will still be uh, uh, coming to pass uh, a thousand, ten thousand, ten million years from now for him to work together with you and me as the body of Christ uh, and, and work through us, uh, again, is one of the great dreams and visions, if you will, that Father God uh, had from before the beginning of time, and He has stayed the course and stayed faithful with it. So God is faithful by whom you were called. So personalize it. Not just we, obviously we could say we were called, but you as an individual uh, were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, before the foundations of the world. This is, this is not a, uh, a plan B or something new or novel, but this has been the plan from the very beginning, that God called you into the fellowship of His Son to be as Jesus is to Him. Amen. And for you to be as Jesus is. For Him to be... Uh, everything to you that he is to Jesus and for you to be everything to him that, that, that Jesus is to him. Praise God. 
So fellowship with God is your number one purpose. All other purposes are not only secondary, but they're dependent upon your fellowship with God. You trying to live your life without fellowship with God is an exercise in frustration and futility. You were created by God in the image and likeness of God so you could have fellowship with God. God is an eternal community. He dwells in absolute communion. And because you were created in His image and likeness to have fellowship with Him, you've been invited into that community, that into that communion. Now, we've the last couple of weeks we've talked about this call to fellowship as a call to positional and functional oneness with God. And I just I want to make sure that we understand the difference. And I know, I know these are kind of unique words. We start talking about position and function. But a positional uh, oneness with God is something that we receive through the new birth, something that we receive uh, via our salvation, where we become a new creation in Christ Jesus, where our old spirit, because you are a spirit, your old spirit is buried with Christ. You don't, you're not given a, a refurbished spirit, um, but a new spirit God puts, a new spirit in you, and then the new spirit he puts in you becomes one spirit with his spirit. And, and so this is what we mean by positional oneness. And positional oneness is necessary for what God truly desires, and, and that is for us to function as one with him. It's not, in other words, it's not positional oneness for the sake of, of oneness. It's positional oneness so that we can then function as one. And, and we've compared this, uh, you know, what the scriptures, I say we've compared it, God's compared it in the Word of God, and we've drawn that out to the positional and functional oneness of, of a marriage between a man and a woman, and both the positional and functional oneness that is a physical body. Amen. And these are the examples that we see in um, Scripture. So we've said fellowship among the members of the Godhead enable Father, Son, and Spirit to function as one. In the same way that marriage between a man and a woman makes them one and provides the basis for them to function as one. But we've pointed this out multiple times. Positional oneness is not, does not make functional oneness automatic. And that's why we see two main branches of of in the scriptures and we talk about this in discipleship class you you have the branch of reconciliation uh to god that is salvation and then you have the branch that is discipleship and we often think of the cross as a symbol of our salvation but it's the yoke it's the yoke that is the symbol of discipleship and it's becoming equally yoked together with Jesus. Amen. It's, it's, it's slipping our neck into that yoke with him. The yoke represents the positional oneness. But remember, the yoke is an implement for plowing, for, for production, for producing. And so we see the yoke is both positional oneness and functional oneness. That yoke joins a, a, a traditional, physical, natural yoke. It joins two oxen together, positions them together, so that they can then what? Function together and multiply um, their labor and their effort. But also in our being you know, positioned in a yoke together with Jesus, this is where we learn from him 
in our daily lives and our daily walk, walking alongside Him, Him walking alongside us, and, and our learning from Him. So, we see that Jesus functioned as one with His Father while here upon the earth. We see this in John 10 and 30 where He says, I and my Father are one. We also see that the positional oneness with His Father made Jesus' functional oneness possible. In John chapter 5, verse 30, the first part of that verse, Jesus says, I can of my own self do nothing. And then think of all these verses in light of positional and functional oneness. John 14, 10, Jesus says, Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. The Father who dwells in me does the works. Matter of fact, I pulled that out. That last phrase out and slide into itself. The Father who dwells in me does the works. So do you see how Jesus uh, proclaims to his disciples the positional oneness that he has with his Father? I'm in my Father, my Father is in me. But then he wants them to, to connect the positional oneness with the functional oneness. Because I'm in my Father and my Father is in me, the Father who is in me is doing the work. He's working through me. He's, Jesus came to this earth as a man. He came to this earth as a man. Every, every miracle He performed on this earth, He did as a man in functional oneness with God the Father. The Father in Him did the works. The Father in him did the works. Jesus wasn't being uh, falsely uh, humble or modest when he said, I can of my own self do nothing. I can of my own self do nothing. He recognized that if he was going to fulfill the destiny that he was sent to this earth to fulfill, he was going to have to allow the Father that he was positionally one with to work through him and do the works. So if you've been born again, the Bible is clear about this. You are the bride of Christ and you are the body of Christ. Positional and functional oneness with God is our eternal destiny. Now, we ended somewhere around here last week and there was a couple of verses that I wanted uh, to get to and we didn't uh, take the time to do that. So Ephesians 1 Consider these verses in light of both positional and functional oneness. Ephesians 1, 19 through 21, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, and seated Him in His right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So he's talking about when God the Father raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him in the heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that's named, both in this age and the age of this to come, given Him to be head, I, didn't, I should have put the rest of this in here, given Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Now, we see that Jesus is positioned there, and that position over principality, power, might, and dominion also gives him authority over principality, power, might, and dominion. Now, we know that in the same way that Jesus was in the Father and the Father was in Jesus, we are now in Jesus and Jesus is in us. Amen. And so look at this in, in Ephesians 2, 4 
5 and 6. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So notice now, we, we are seated... We're here on this earth, but we are seated with Jesus, positionally, with Him, one with Him, and in the same way that He is above, has authority over, all power, uh, principality, might, dominion, we now, seated together with Him, are positioned above those uh, demonic forces as well. Now, let's take these verses, and and here's the verse that we want to conjoin together with those. Matthew chapter 18, verses 18, 19, and 20. Jesus assuredly, Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, the word bind and loose has to do with with refuse and uh, allow. If something is bound, that means it, it is, it is, uh, ref, you're refusing it. You're saying no to it. You're binding it. You're stopping it. Or whatever you loose, you're allowing. You see, we, the world, religious world especially, wants to talk about what God allows. And, and they don't understand that we were created to be the gatekeepers here on this earth. So notice he says, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So do you see how the positional oneness, positioned above the principality, power, might, and dominion, puts you and me now in position or gives you and me the opportunity to, to function. It's one thing to be positioned above, but now he's saying here on the earth that we can cooperate together with Jesus in heaven to bind and loose things that... How many of you know there's some things on planet earth that need to be bound? Amen. And there are some things on this earth that need to be loosed, that need to be released. Amen. See, we keep waiting for God to do it, but He's doing it in His domain. The heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He's given to the the sons of men. He's doing it in His domain, and now positioned with Him, functioning together as one with Him, we now carry this out in our domain. Now, I know that verse 18 is the one that connects, but let's, while we're here, again, I say to you, so these things are not separate thoughts, but they're, they're all related thoughts. In other words, Jesus isn't like, okay, I said that, now let's change the subject and say this, okay, now let's change the subject and say this, and giving us three separate disjointed thoughts, but no, all of these things come under the umbrella of fellowship. So binding and loosing comes under the umbrella of fellowship. Our fellowship with God, our positional and functional oneness with God is what enables us to stop things that need to be stopped on this earth and release things that need to be released on this earth. Amen. That's why he said, you can lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. It's it's not you that does the work. Any more than it was Jesus who did the work. Jesus said, my Father in me does the works. Now it's Jesus in you, working through you, who does the works. But now notice verse 19. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I want to 
I want to make sure you understand before I go any further with this that the Bible certainly teaches us that whatever you ask, right? So the Bible does not teach, and I want to make sure you understand this, the Bible does not teach that you cannot ask for something for yourself. Clearly, we see different modes and types of prayer. There's intercessory prayer where you go before God on behalf of someone else. Uh, but then also he says, what things whoever you desire when you pray, right? When you go into your secret place, you close your door and you speak to your Father in heaven and your Father in heaven who hears you in secret will reward you openly, all right? So I want to make sure you, that all of that, and I'm not disagreeing with any of that, the Bible certainly teaches that. But here Jesus is introducing something else to us. He's talking about something else. I say introducing. He's referring to something else here. And, and this is... The, the prayer of agreement. And I feel like this is one of those uh, areas that we've been talking about now for the last two years where um, looseness and, and slackness and lack of precision and lack of, of, of precise understanding of these things is, is cheating and robbing and stealing uh, benefit and, and power and blessing from the body of Christ. I think a lot of people are familiar with this idea of two people on earth agreeing that it shall be done. But I think where, where we fail to understand, you know, how this is, is meant by God and intended by God to work, right, is in our limited understanding of agreement, <laughs> right? It's like, okay, I need this. Do you agree I need this? Okay, well, you agree with me that I'm going to get this, Okay. And, and you say, well, Pastor Mark, is that not what this means? It, it is what it means, but, but agreement is much more than somebody agreeing with you that you need it and God has it. Agreement is, again, talking about this, this fellowship that we share with other people. Where, where we have this oneness mindset. Remember now, the oneness mindset that we need is not just a oneness mindset with other members of the body of Christ, but it's both a oneness mindset with God as well as a oneness mindset with other members of the body of Christ. And, and, and it's through that oneness, and I'm going to show you some verses here in just a minute. It's through that oneness mindset that the power of God flows just, you know, uh, amazingly so. Amen. Those, I, I use this example sometimes, and, and I'll, I'll use it here. I can, um, Jesus identified uh, Satan as Beelzebub, um, and, and, and that's the Lord of the flies. And so I can, I can go out on my back deck and, and have the, uh, the barbecue smoker up to temperature and and um, as far as I'm concerned, there's not a fly in the world until I pull that aluminum foil back off of that uh, freshly seasoned raw meat. And now what? Flies are attracted to that. They're, they're drawn to that. Okay? And so when Jesus identified Satan as Beelzebub, as the Lord of the Flies... We know that there are certain attitudes, there are certain actions, there are certain words... You know, things that, 
that, that we can do, God forbid, but, you know, amen, things that, that people do, things that people say, ways that people think, attitudes that people project, that literally attracts demonic spirits, that literally draws demonic spirits in, into that situation. If you ever walked into a room, you didn't hear anybody fussing, you didn't hear anybody raising their voice, but the, the atmosphere in that room was so thick you could cut it with a proverbial knife. In other words, there was tension in the air. The environment had shifted based upon uh, words that were spoken, based upon uh, uh, lack of harmony, lack of union, lack of agreement that, that, it, that existed between people who had been in that room previously. Right, Because, again, where there's envy and strife, there's confusion in every evil work. Why is that? Because Satan is, is drawn to, to envy that separates and divides people. He's drawn to strife that separates and, 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 and divides people. But I, I hate to just talk about that in a negative sense, but in the same way that there are things that attract demonic forces and demonic spirits, there are also things that attract angelic spirits and the holy spirit and 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 the very presence of god and the very power of god can be drawn into right attitudes right words right actions are you still with me tonight so this is this is why we have verse 20 for where two or three are gathered together in my name i'm there in the midst of them fellowship and, and the oneness mindset uh, that, that is, is being cultivated and developed uh, in God's people between both themselves and God, bet- between us and God, but also be- between individual members of the body of Christ. What's, what's happening in, 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 this, in these situations is, is, is that it, it attracts the spirit and the presence of God. That was one of the things that made Sunday such a, such a, a beautiful thing right is is you know this this attitude of of honor um for one of our precious saints uh, for someone who um has given so much of her time talent and treasure uh to this body of believers and when we came together to honor her angels see that that kind of stuff it repels it repels demons, right? And it attracts angels. It attracts um, the, the, the presence and the power of God. So he's saying, you know, there's a lot of folks who try to bind things. You know, say, well, it'll never work for me. Well, um, <laughs> what kind of disagreement, what kind of disharmony, what kind of disunity do you have in your life? Because he's saying again, in other words, these things are related. These, these things work together. So we see in verse 18 a functional oneness with heaven. In verse 19, we see a functional oneness with others. This word agree is the Greek word symphonio, S-U-M-P-H-O-N-E-O. And of course, we get our English word symphony from that word. It means to be in agreement with, to be in unison, accord. I like this. It means to speak together with one another to speak together with one another that's not just listen to me now that's not just communication with one another he's not just saying that you talk to one another to speak together with one another in other words we we see this over in paul's letter to the corinthians where 
We are of one mind. We're of one accord. We're all, we could say it this way, we're all on the same page. Think of a symphony. When it's, when it's really right, amen, you, you could have a hundred different instruments, different kinds of instruments, trumpets, uh, um, violins, all the, you know, whatever else, you know. But they all hit that same note in harmony, right? Do you think of a symphony as a whole bunch of different instruments all playing a different song? No, no. So harmony, one mind, one song, one voice. Here is um, here's the, an Old Testament passage that speaks to this as well. Behold how good, Psalm 133 it's, matter of fact, this is the whole Psalm 1, 2, and 3. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. You see how life, the life of God, the, 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 the love of God, the goodness of God, the blessing of God, the anointing of God, all flows where there is unity. And this is some of the, I mean, it's hard to get any more poetic or beautiful language when he's talking about the oil running down on the head of the priest and the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. But it's there, it's in that unity, it's in that oneness, it's in that fellowship where God is able to command the blessing. So do you see now why he says, if two agree concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them. Amen. How do I say this? Praise God. See, faith is, is again, such a powerful uh, and important piece of all of this. But remember, now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The, the love that unites, the love that makes one. Amen. Now, praise God. Um, let me, there's a couple of things that I wanted to try to get to tonight. Um, so we've covered some of this as it relates to marriage. And remember, oneness with God is not like marriage. Marriage is like oneness with God. The Bible says that as born-again believers, we are... Um, members of the body of Christ, we are the bride of Christ, that we are of his flesh and of his bones. That's, in other words, the language specifically used there by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is to communicate a literal. I put this in my notes, you know, when are we going to take these things literally? That we are literally the body of Christ. Jesus took it literally. Remember what he said to Saul? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting my followers? Why are you persecuting people who are trying to do something good? Why are you persecuting Christians? He said, why are you persecuting me? And he talks about this in Ephesians between a husband and a wife. He says, no, no one ever hated their own flesh. Because we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, Ephesians 5 and 30. Now, let me praise the name of the living God. So many verses, so many verses. 
Um, a oneness mindset, and we're going to talk some more about this. We, we got to a little bit of it last week. But, and by the way, it's in, in the book of Acts, we see, this is chapter 22, verse 7. You see it throughout the book of Acts because Paul would have the opportunity to retell his story. And, and so here's one instance where he says, And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? So Ephesians 5, uh, 29 and 30, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. We, we must take it literally. So it's this idea of a, of a oneness mindset. It's so, it's so critical. It is so critical to functional oneness. There are people who have been made one with God who will tell you that what I'm, what I'm saying is ridiculous. In other words, they don't believe what the Bible says about it, even though you know, they're going to find out one day that the, that the entire course of their, of their walk since they were born again, they, they were one with God the whole time and that He was in them the whole time. So it's this idea of a, of a oneness mindset. Positional oneness will never become functional oneness without a oneness mindset. And again, to clarify, we're not talking about God as being one person or one being. We're talking about being one with God, the Father, one with God, the Son, one with God, the Holy Spirit. Now, I was listening to a sermon last week or week before last from Brother Bill Winston. I don't know if you have opportunity to, to, to listen to him or watch him very often, but I would highly, highly recommend it. He is, uh, in, in my uh, experience, and I've, I've listened to and, and have learned from a lot of people over the years, and, uh, and, and he is one of the finest ministers of the Word of God alive on planet Earth today. I'm saying that as, uh, amen, just praise God. But he, he's very comical at times, and... Um, so he mentioned fellowship in a sermon recently, and he said fellowship is two fellows in a ship. Well, he kind of said that and laughed, and the people laughed, and he, he really wasn't teaching on the subject. It just it was one of those things where um, it came up in the course of him speaking on another subject, and he said fellowship. He said, you remember what I told you about fellowship is two fellows in a ship, well, I got to thinking about that, and I know that's such a simple definition of fellowship, but I think there is some truth. I think there is some truth because fellowship says we're in this together. Two fellows in a ship, right? I, mean, I don't know what kind of ship. I kind of pictured maybe two guys that were maybe the the big boat had crashed or had sunk and they got in a life raft or something, right? They're, they're in this together. They're in, they're in that ship together. Fellowship says we're all in this together. When it comes to two fellows in a ship understanding fellowship with God, we're all in this together like a husband and wife are in this together. Or we're all in this together like members of my body are all in this together. 
Amen. These are the examples that we're given to look to in Scripture. How about this? We're all in this together, two fellows in a ship. We're all in this together like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in this together. Would anybody agree with me that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in this thing together? They're in this thing together. When you you start talking about being in something together with, with other people, two fellows in a ship, to me it communicates that we've got one another's back. Maybe one of those fellows in the ship knows how to navigate by the stars. Maybe one of those fellows in the ship knows how to catch fish out of the ocean. One's helping them get where they need to be. The other one's helping them stay alive on their way. They bring different uh, uh, talents and abilities, uh, skills, wisdom, and insight, but there's still two fellows in the ship. One is strong in, 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 in some areas and, and weak in others, while the other... Uh, is strong in some areas and weak in others. And because they're in it together, they work together for one another's best interest. Amen. Are you, are you following me? Now, you say, Pastor Mark, why? it sounds like we're going backwards now. You're, you're starting with something so simple and so basic. Have we not progressed beyond this understanding of fellowship? Well, maybe we have, maybe we haven't. Because I think if we, if we look at this, as, if we look at fellowship as two fellows in a ship and that we're all in this together, do you realize that this is how God the Father looks at this with you? You may not have that mindset yet, but I'm telling you, Father God has this mindset that He is in this with you. Those verses that we see throughout the epistles where we've been given the Holy Spirit as an earnest, or we've been given the Holy Spirit as a seal. That literally means earnest money, like you, you give somebody a check for $500, earnest money on a house. What happens to that money if you back out of the deal? You lose that money. When you wrote that check for $500 and signed that contract and said, I'm going to buy your house, I have every intention to buy your house. Maybe there's some, some contingencies or what have you. But if you break that contract, you lose your earnest. And in the same way, he who began a good work in you is committed, God is faithful, who's called you into the fellowship with his, same fellowship with him as his son, right? He, he is committed to see it through to the end and, and so that you can know he's serious about his commitment to you. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He put his spirit, his Holy Spirit in you as earnest and sealed the deal. Amen. He's saying to you and me, I'm in this with you. What do you think it means when he says, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the way. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. We're in this together. We're in this together. This is, this is the, a oneness mindset that Father God has towards you and me as the bride of Christ, as the body of Christ. Oh, sweet Jesus. Man, so many things firing off in my head. I, some of you know John, Mark, and Gina moved back to Nashville, and they're living with us until, you know, they get their house and, and, and so forth and so on. And um, when Bethany married Jake, Jake just became a son to me. I don't treat him any different from any of my other children. And now Gina, and of course, you know, I got to know her during the dating uh, process and engagement process with John Mark. But since they've been married, they've been in Nashville, you know. And so I am, I am really, really enjoying 
the fellowship that, that, that I, I have now. With, of course, my son, but with my new daughter. Amen. With Gina. And, um, and, and man, she's, I don't know, she's just precious in so many ways. And I'm, 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 I'm so thankful uh, for her. But see, again, my mindset towards her is she is my family. Amen. Are, are you, it's the same mindset that, that, that Father God has. What do you think it means when Jesus says he loves you with the same love he loves me with? All right, let me try to, I know we're right at the end here, but let me, when we talk about a oneness mindset, see, when a husband and wife come together and God makes them positionally one. Now, the positional oneness provides the foundation and the, and the platform and the basis for the functional oneness to develop. Well, have you figured out by now, for those of you who, who are married, that rarely is it your spouse's strengths that become an obstacle to the functional oneness, but instead it's the, it's the weakness, right? Are you, 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 you understand what I'm saying? See, see, Pam didn't just marry all my strengths. <laughs> she married me. She became one with me. Every good thing I bring to the table and also the areas I'm still growing up in. Amen. And it's the, it's the areas that I'm still growing up in that provide the challenges that we have to overcome as we continue to, to learn how and develop a functional oneness together with one another. See, she has strengths and weaknesses. I have strengths and weaknesses. If we're wise, we will not allow the weaknesses to divide us, but where I'm weak, I need to let her be strong. And, and so some examples of this, some people are just naturally good with, with balancing a checkbook and, 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 and managing money. Some folks, it's not their thing, okay? So th- th- that's just a real basic, simple way. Um, don't let that difference divide. You still work together, still have input, still have communication. But, but, but if somebody is strong in an area, let them be strong in that area. Amen. If my knee's trying to be my thumb, it's, it's, not gonna, it's not gonna be a good thumb, but it'll be a great knee. Amen. So, you do realize, and, and we'll develop this more in the, in the days ahead, but a fellowship mindset, I've been telling you this now, a fellowship mindset sees only ours now. I told you last week, there is absolutely no possible scenario where Pam loses and I win. We either both win or we both lose. See, that's a oneness mindset. That's why we don't keep score. See, husbands and wives who still keep score, are you following me? Who still keep score trying to get the moral high ground on the other and all these other things. Well, you know, uh, I'm doing more for him than he's doing for me. And, and uh, you know, all she does is wash the clothes and I have to go out in the sun and cut the grass. What? See, again, that's, that's just, that's, that is relationship mindset. That's not fellowship mindset. That's not oneness mindset. Remember what the Lord told us. He said, a relate. see, this is where the difference between relationship and fellowship really gets strong right here. This is, this is where the, 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 I think perhaps one of the, the biggest 
differences in relationship versus fellowship is what we're talking about right now. Because a relationship's highest virtue is sharing. Remember what we said it over and over again. I'm going to share my life with you. That's not marriage. Marriage is not me sharing my life with you, me sharing myself with you. No, it's me giving myself to you. And if necessary, me dying for you. Jesus did not share himself with us. He gave himself to us. Amen. Are you seeing the difference here? So when we say there's the oneness mindset, listen to me now, the oneness mindset, you realize that Father God doesn't see his, yours, and ours. Father God, because he has a oneness mindset towards you, as far as he's concerned, everything that belongs to him is now yours. And everything that belongs to you is now his. That's why we bring sin into the fellowship and Jesus brings righteousness into the fellowship and his righteousness obliterates our sin. We bring brokenness, he brings wholeness and restoration. We bring debt and poverty and lack, he brings abundance and wealth. See, so notice now, in establishing this same fellowship with God that Jesus enjoys, this is why Jesus became poor so that you could become rich. This is why he became your sin so that you could become his righteousness. He, he doesn't have this mindset towards us where he says, okay, that's your sin and this is my righteousness. That's your debt and this is my wealth. This is your weakness and this is my strength. No, he became your weakness. He became your sin. He became your curse so that you could become his blessing, so that you could become his power, so that you could become his wisdom. We brought ignorance to the relationship. He brought wisdom. And our, our ignorance now becomes dissolved and over, overwhelmed by his wisdom through fellowship with him. So this, is the, this is the oneness mindset. See, we, it's so, it's, I know I do it. I'm not, Lord, help me not to ever do it again. But, you know, it's this whole idea is, well, you know, I'm going to share a little bit of this with God. Are you kidding me? You, you got this much and and you can't even count what he's got? And you're going to try to hold on to your little bit? When he's given you all that he is and all that he has? Whew. Are you seeing this? So it's a oneness mindset. Come on now. Me and Father God, me and Jesus the Son, and me and the Holy Spirit, and me and you, we're all in this together. Two fellows in a ship. Come on, stand up with me tonight. Praise God. Two fellows in a ship. Romans 8, 32. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Freely give us some things? No, all things. I'm going to say it one more time. As far as God is concerned... There's no yours and his. There's ours. Amen. See, people go to that Old Testament passage, right? I'll not share my glory with any man, right? It's because we've all fallen, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what do we see now in John 17? The same glory that he gave to Jesus, he's now given to you. And Jesus doesn't think it's 
that's that whole part about being equal with God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Jesus is very secure in who he is. He's not, he, he's not, a, he's not territorial about it. No, no, that's mine. Seated together with me in heavenly places. Come on, Father. That's my place with you. It's okay if they sit maybe a couple of tiers down close to me. No. See, fellowship says, come boldly to the throne. Same position Jesus has with the Father, you have. He hasn't withheld that from you. That's fellowship. That's a oneness mindset. Amen. Father, you're good to us. Thank you for helping us, Lord. Thank you for, for just, Father, this not just to be something that we hear and go home and eat a hot dog and forget about or whatever, Lord, that, that we meditate on these things and we, and we, we allow these things to, to become grafted into us, Lord, that, that they begin to change the way we see ourselves and the way we, we, we see, Lord, our walking with you and, and, and fellowshipping with you and, and doing life together with you. Lord, we're all in this together. You're in this with us. You said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. You withheld no good thing from us. You've given us your glory. You've given us the same love that you love Jesus with. You've given us the same glory. You've given us your spirit. You've given us yourself. You've, you've made us an, an heir of yours, Father, and a, a co-heir together with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You refer to yourself and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the rest of the body of Christ as us. Such a beautiful word, two-letter word, but such a beautiful word, Father. It'll, it will revolutionize, Lord, our lives the more you help us embrace this and understand this. Lord, may we look to it so we can see and view life through it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Man, I'm, this Wednesday night bunch is a special, special bunch to me. Thank you.